Hey, TCA. My name is Sarah Britsky, and I'm your host for TCAU, the podcast that is guiding you on your classical Christian collaborative education journey. I am here today with Dr. Ken Wilgus. He is the author of Feeding the Mouth That Bites You, a book about parenting adolescents. And he's the right person to write that book. He's been um, counseling parents and adolescents for many years now. And so we are so excited to have you here speaking to our parents, our students, our teachers, and to all of us on the podcast, because we're at a really critical moment at Trinity Classical Academy, where we are starting to have more and more adolescent students. Right, right. Well, it's been great being here. This is fun. Yeah, thank you. We This morning, you got to talk to our students. I um, did. Scary. <laughs> you said that, but you were very poised. No, no. The kids were poised. I was really surprised. They, they did well. I they think did they enjoyed very it. Well. Yeah. I, I hang out with lots of, lots of different teenagers and um, a group that can sit and almost all look at me the whole time. I couldn't believe it. So I was, I was pleased. <laughs> they are, they are good kids. Yeah. Um, and so we would just love to chat with you today a little bit about what we want to keep front of mind, what you would like to help us keep front of mind as we start parenting this interesting group of people, right. if you want to call them that, that are adolescents. Right, right. <laughs> um, so maybe even just how has the idea, the term adolescent, teenager, how has that been important to you in, in your work? And how might you want us to think about that as we think about parenting people in that age range? Well, the big thing that I always start with is is uh, reminding everybody, and I think it was maybe the first class I took on adolescent psychology where they just announced casually that, of course, adolescence, as we understand it, was invented about 100 years ago. Uh, and the word teenager wasn't even used until about 1942. And I was just stunned by that. It was like, wait, wait, wait. It's like studying to be an ear, nose and throat doctor. And it's like, you know, no one had noses over a hundred years ago. And <laughs> it's like, we didn't even use the word nose till it's like, what? And what they're talking about is that in the, in a post-industrial culture, um, childhood is always been understood to come to an end by about 13. But in a post-industrial culture, our 13-year-olds are not ready to do much. And so there's always that period, what used to be internships or, uh, you know, you'd farm your kid out to someone else to learn these skills, you know, the different ways of doing it. It was probably around after World War II <clears throat> that we made the mistake of kind of snapping adolescence onto the end of childhood. And we have the very involved parents that I work with very often make the mistake of treating adolescents like they're old children, which they are not. They are very young adults. Mm. So that's that's usually what I go around making sure people think about that this idea of, you know, how they get all surly and all that stuff, that was never true over 100 years. It's not even true now in certain parts of the world. Mm. There's an Inuit tribe in uh, at northern, uh, I think it's Alaska area. They don't have teenagers. They have young adults. And um, so it's it's a thing that uh, is still a big part of our culture has been the parents listening. They've been through this. They didn't have a bar mitzvah and suddenly become. But it's something that you want to try to make some changes in your household hmm. to try to correct for this normalized flaw that we have. So what would I'm a parent listening? I'm wondering what kinds of changes do I need to make? How do I need to think differently about my adolescence versus my younger kids? Sure. Well, a lot of times parents worry that, what does that mean? I give them an apartment and a car and just check you. And, <laughs> and it's, it's really starts with, it doesn't have, it's not a huge change necessarily in ex everything that you do. It starts with a mindset change, a really 
understanding that, you know, your 13 year old is certainly always would have been seen as an adult. And then secondly, you start to communicate that. And there's a big difference, especially in Christian households in the message that says, look, there's a part of you that really wants to be growing up. You can do that here. You don't have to just get away. And that's very common that well-meaning attempts to protect, provide, teach, all that are perceived as, well, I just have to get away if I'm going to ever be in control of my own life. You want to start with just announcing that in this household, you know, you're a young adult and we will be uh, out of your life by the end of high school. Like you will be in charge of your own stuff. Um, And then after that, and the book just outlines really specific ways that sort of one step at a time, you hand over freedom, not privilege. Privilege says, you know, you're really good at this, so we're going to back out and let you see how you handle it. That's what you do with children, and that's good. Adolescence is you're too old now to answer to me about this thing. You have to make your own choice about that. And it's it's orderly stepping out so you don't hand over everything. But one little example is that you didn't used to be 30 years ago when I started, is their music. It is since... In case you don't know, you don't have control over what your teenagers listen to. Um, It is better to instead um, announce that as, you know, that's between you and God, what you listen to. Um, We there's going to be a problem if your little sister is hearing that. But if it's in your headphones, we recognize that's up to you. And this is the part that parents often don't know because it didn't happen in their life. If you recognize that and show that, if it works right, you will gain much more communication with your teenagers. much easier to say, really, you're listening to what? If you're talking to a young adult that knows that you're not about to yank it, Mm -hmm. that you're just, no, I'm seriously asking Mm -hmm. adult to adult, you know, do you listen to that on the way to church? Does that, those are real discussions that have impact rather than uh, the most common way of feeling like, well, I need to still control this and not recognizing that you're not controlling it. You're just, every year they get older, you have less and less control over certain things. Yeah. I really like how you talk about communication is more important than control. Right. I think some people listening may be thinking, okay, so I just am letting, some people may be afraid of the idea That's of letting right. go of That's exactly, the control. Yeah, a lot of people are afraid of that. Yeah. Um, but I hear you saying, but you will, you will grow actually in some ways you will grow in influence because you will now get to communicate. I think more. that's a good way to put it. Grow in influence. That's correct. So, so I think it's in giving freedom. It's not like, Oh good. We were having so many fights about music. Now I don't have to talk about that anymore. It's exactly done. actually it is. Now we can talk about it Yes. instead of being, you know, it's so funny. You it's like so often when you talk to a teenager, they respond like you're a cop, you know, you're like, what's going on in here? Well, I'm just asking, well, you got to announce it's weird. It's 30 years with teenagers. They're kind of paranoid. You know, I've got teenagers that, um, you know, my mom didn't like the way my room was. And I said, well, dude, they haven't said anything about your room in years. Yeah, I know. But, and they still think if you haven't said, Hey, that's your thing now, Hmm. then they still don't know. And a lot of parents are actually giving freedom, but they never announced it. Mm -hmm. And they wonder why their kid is still so surly. Yeah. They don't know why sometimes it feels like you backed off, for example, music because you're just tired of it. Uh, You backed off because you just actually haven't noticed, but you're mustering some SWAT team to come in. It's like, no, 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 this is your deal. That that has to be up to you. That's the kind of oxygen that is hugely helpful for our teenagers that, that again, 
parents listening, if you think about it, um, you know, they didn't necessarily, very often, they didn't get that either. Uh, We're we're three generations into this mess of not really hearing that that's your life in this area and this. And again, it's progressive. You don't start with curfew, for example. Curfew doesn't really go away till you're finished with high school. Like, I think you, you need to still require that. Some parents will say, well, no, she's such a good girl. We don't have her. Yeah, you do. You just know, you trust that she'll do what you want her to do. That's not the same thing as announcing after your graduation. We want you to use that back door. Don't wake us up because you don't answer to us about, you know, and again, those are things that can seem scary, but this is an adult now, sometimes about to go in a few weeks to to, off to some school. Mm. Um, you're not going to, you know, when does that concern no longer, you know, burden you as a parent and it's their deal. And again, the power of, of a young adult hearing that from parents that have been involved and authoritative and really good at it, it's super powerful to hear that's your deal. I think, so this is a program in your book you call Planned Emancipation. That's right. <laughs> and I think even what you're encouraging parents to do is to have a plan. And when you say, okay, when you turn 13, here are some freedoms you get. They come with these responsibilities. And then we add these at 15, add these at 17, and then you go to college. You know, I think about when we were building TCA, we wanted to think about what are the milestones that students hit where we're giving them freedom. Which is the coolest thing ever. I didn't know y'all did that. Yeah. So in seventh grade, they get to come to school another day. They begin taking responsibility for their assignments. You know, parents should really be backing up. They read their own assignment sheets at home. Once students are freshmen in high school, they have off-campus time on Fridays occasionally. You know, we're saying, okay, they lead. We talked about the house system, our executive prefects, our prefects actually lead important parts of the school day. Um, But in a school, it makes sense to plan all that. I think sometimes as a parent, you think, oh, these things should just unfold naturally. You don't have a, a plan for how those things well, because, work. Because, you know, their parents didn't do it either. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's very natural. But, but you know, that's what's been so really exciting here at TC. I didn't know, I didn't know about you. I've never been to Omaha. But this is a place that if you lean into it can completely support that, mm-hmm. that, and, and, and specifically for Christian parents, <clears throat> we cannot afford to turn out 18 and 19 year old sort of obedient, good children. Um, they will be sucked up quickly by a world that challenges all of this. You really need responsible um, young adults that are thinking for themselves and are invested in this. And and this, it's it, yeah, it was cool watching, you know, the older uh, teenagers um, making the announcements and kind of running this. Um, yeah, like this is, these things are now your you guys handle that. That's just brilliant. And, and often not done, you know, in defense of the public school, you know, most teachers that I know, they, they have to deal with what they think is going to be a parent that's going to come up. And, and why have you not done this special thing for my kid and taking care of that's the norm now that, Ironically, uh, it's it's needs to be the thing that Christian parents pull back from and know that we can understand why they would be that way because it's scary if you don't have the assurance of the gospel. But we really need to lean away from that fearful kind of natural feels natural way of saying, "Well, God isn't going to help. I have to be." No, this is about us um, 
walking alongside our young adult children um, because God is always uh, the one that is in fact in control of their lives and ours. And it's a, you know, it's really part of our own spiritual journey to find out. I mean, I'm older than you. You just find new areas of your life. Like, wow, I don't trust Jesus at all when it comes to retirement or, you know, things that I thought it's just this. And parenting is one of those where, um, why am I so afraid if I, know this glorious truth of the gospel, why do I walk around afraid all the time? Hmm. So it's ironically a flip-flop of what the world has done more is an over-grasping of young adults. And and I think it's a time for the church to do exactly the opposite. Uh, It makes more sense to the gospel. I think that, yeah, I love how you're grounding that in faith and saying we as Christians should be even more courageous in letting our students who are our older students or older kids have some freedoms and letting them experience the consequences, knowing that they're held by Christ, knowing that they are ultimately held. Especially since there's a confusion that that it's gotten better. But for a long time, because we've been confused for a hundred years, it has seemed the reverse. I've had many parents that would say, well, Dr. Woods, we hear all that, but we believe in really being godly with our kids. Oh, you mean controlling, uh, you know, strangling any freedom, even if they're 17, 18, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what seems to you like really being godly. I I think you really have to recheck Mm -hmm. that. That's, that was never Hmm, the truth in all of history until in the West about 120 years ago. Which I think then even I feel challenged to consider what it really means to be godly, which means if I'm, I mean, I heard you use the words, okay, as a parent of an adolescent, now I'm walking alongside them. Giving them freedom does not mean hands off. It means a lot more engagement, thoughtful engagement, respectful engagement that they are human beings with their own developing thoughts and opinions but I still have influence. That's right. And much of that influence is probably silent as I live and walk toward Christ on my own. And you'll feel it. Like when, Mm. you know, one of the freedoms to consider at a certain point is you can choose your own style of dress Mm. uh, for a 14 year old for, again, it's up to each family, but you could tell them that, but still reserve the right for girls that we still have judgment if it's too short, too tight, too low, (laughs) but it's up to you. Well, that may mean walking along beside a teenager that's walking into church with you. And I can't believe he's wearing that (laughs) or, you know, but again, it's, Mm. it's, it is also letting go of that. It's a hidden, but pretty big part of, I want my kids to make me look good. And there's a kind of parenting now that's very popular that makes parents look good. Mm. I'm more in favor of parenting that makes your kid look good Mm. and allowing being a kid, being a teenager, being allowed to say uh, no to something, give them, gives them the freedom to say yes to something. Mm. So once they know that it's up to you, that what you decide to wear, but I can see that my mom's looking at this with the, okay, if that's what you want to wear to the funeral, wait, I think I'm going to go change. It gives the freedom to be an adult with other adults. That's what I talked about with the teenagers today was um, instead of pushing back uh, against your parents, because I feel like I should be treated like an adult, you need to establish that adulthood yourself mm. and, and um, demonstrate the ability to be kind and um, take responsibility and not just sort of always be huffy that I don't think they talk to me the way they should, which is the most common thing. Yeah. I think for parents too, another thing that's challenging, right? First of all, having to own our own lives and journey. Also 
following a plan of emancipation, following the process that you describe doesn't necessarily mean that our kids will like us because with freedoms comes so true boundaries and limits. That's right. And so if I say, okay, you now have the freedom to wear whatever you want, but you can't wear something that's so short. And then for a student, a child to say, okay, well, I don't, I'm mad about that. I don't like you. You're not a good parent. You're mean. There's a risk there of if my goal is not to have them like me and to look a certain way, and the goal is actually for me to be faithful to God and to give my kid some freedom. The result might be they don't like me. Which is, you know, that's, <clears throat> if anything, that's kind of the theme. It's unconscious. But I think parents that want to have a, do a good job, I think what we ask, if we're not careful, what we mean is I want to have my children like me and we're close, me and my little crew. You know, what's funny, what happens is that, well, your crew is going to grow up. Genesis 2 says, if you do it right, they're going to leave you and cling to their spouse. But you know how many families, especially wealthy families, to be honest, actually still try to hold, we believe in family value, you should come to our house for Christmas. Yet she's married. What? Why is this, it's this, what feels like good family, if you're not careful, is I want to have my children like me all the time and be fun and and never have that natural, and it is quite natural. Yeah, we made a decision and man, she hates us for several hours at a time. If you're married, it's definitely needs to be us. I'm always, you know, I've had a couple just the other week. They're like, you said he's mad at you. Is, is he mad at both of you? Oh yeah. I said, okay, good. You don't want one parent doing all the negative, you know, but if they're mad at both of you for a while because they really think you're wrong, yeah, that's fine. It's not, these aren't your buddies. This is children that you raise. I don't even like the term parenting. That was made up in 1957, I think. The the the, the over. You know, you ever see those memes? This off the topic that where it's like woke up, uh, washed my car, uh, paid my taxes. Hashtag adulting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said, well, let's. What? How self conscious that you're just living and doing what you're supposed to do, but you have to name that. Parenting is like that. You know, parenting is what you do as a parent. Well, we've gotten so self-conscious now that it's, no, no, are we doing the right parenting thing? Because we all know there's a secret set of knowledge that will make your children way better than your neighbor's kid. That is not true. And I, I told you that that I worry that people like me that go around talking about parenting, that we may be accidentally contributing to this false narrative that um, if you know how to do it, you're going to really have a great relationship with these successful children that are happy. Oh, and they love Jesus to boot, which you cannot make them do. Um, so I, you know, I don't want to contribute to that. Parenting is not math. It's like sailing. You know, you go a little bit off this way and a little off that way to try to hopefully arrive at the end point. My children are, I'm not going to kid you, they're great kids. Um, and we all get along only because it would be weird if my kids didn't, you know, if there were two of them in jail, that would be like, who is he? But at the same time, I am not going to tell you that I'm teaching this because I did such a great job. I said stuff I shouldn't have said. I didn't do some stuff I really should have done. I'm not kidding, but it was enough. It was, God doesn't need this kind of fictional specialty thing. It's just be there, um, you know, involved, um, have expectations, discipline appropriately, and then begin to get out of the way. 
um, you know, and go back to enjoying your marriage before these children showed up. That's, <laughs> that's always a good time. And I think what I observe in the culture and in myself is this idea of if I just have more information, I can do it correctly yes. and the outcome. And I feel that not just about my own children, but about my job, about my health, about right. if I could just have the correct set of information, I would have success. And I hear you saying, and I think I find in my own life that I so often come up short and then I just keep, you know, I keep that on that treadmill though. Oh, I just need more information. That's okay. exactly right. I think, you know, maybe there's something going on with my child. I've done it wrong. I have to, I need more that's information. Right. I think that's, you know, we could go way off on that. <clears throat> I think that's why at the turn of the century, in the 20th century, most of the psychiatric struggles were depression based, just that kind of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. By the end of the 20th century, anxiety had taken over. It's a difference between a kind of general a mindset of, I have to put up with things that can't be changed, which is a burden, but a new burden of, wait, if I just knew who, how the information, it could all be fixed. That's a new burden because both of them are wrong. Life is not hopeless, nor is it going to be resolved by technical information and everything. Both of those are, you know, our, our sinful selves can make, we make false goals out of everything. We rely on God for all things, which is the only way to be unburdened. But it, it just means it's a weird change that we go from mm -hmm. passive, I give up to now I've just got to read, study, learn, get on the internet, find out. Ugh, it's, it's never ending. And so I think in considering your book, there may be some parents who are thinking, oh good, I have felt despairing and now I can just follow this yes. schedule and then it'll be done. And I think some parents are like, oh, thank you, Dr. Wilgus. Now I know what to it do. It will I not <laughs> work. And I'll get that. We tried that, Dr. Wilgus. We let go of schooling because he was fighting us. And you know, letting go, by the way, most of the time with schooling is um, we let you manage it yourself as long as you maintain this appropriate grade level, things like just stop. Cause usually you stop at a certain point because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. They're fighting you on everything, whatever at this school, you stop because the school is encouraging that. And mm -hmm. these kids are kind of amazing, but whatever reason you do it, you know, I've had parents that are like, yeah, we quote tried that, mm -hmm. but they still were struggling. Actually, their grades went down. I was like, yeah, it's not a parenting thing mm -hmm. that causes your kid to do this. It is an acceptance of a reality mm -hmm. that you're now dealing with an adult. Mm -hmm. And if anything helps, may help the kid to see this is your choice. If you, you know, I've got kids from good schools backgrounds that are saying, you know, I don't even go to high school. Well, they're lying. They know they have to go to high school, but they're making this out of their parent. Like as if, as if my parents are making me go to school. Okay. Can we pretend, can we stop that? And, but it's not this technique that made, boy, after that, my kids started, I mean, it sometimes does that. I'm not going to kid you. There are kids that will really thrive when parents give over the freedom, but it is by no means a guarantee because mm. to your point, it's not a parenting technique that quote causes mm. your young adult to do a thing they wouldn't have already done. You don't have that power. Mm. In some ways, I even, I have this Im image of instead of you like holding the reins and directing things, right. you're letting go and you know, call, calling some word like this way, that way, you know, or modeling the way you're, but it's, it's, um, like you say, communication over control. This is a journey of communication, of right. guidance, of leadership. And that means sometimes when you lead people don't follow, but you're still there when 
And to be clear, it is not letting go of reins that you could pick back up. <clears throat> Parents are like, you know, when I was a kid before good baby seats, you could sit in a car seat that had a pretend steering wheel. And now I can remember, you know, driving my parents' car from the back seat. Well, uh, no, I wasn't, but it felt fun to, that is what a lot of parents are doing. You're not actually driving your kid's car in areas of these choices, but parents feel like, well, I'm going to give that a try and like, no, you're a kid in the back of the car with a pretend steering wheel. You're a, your young adult kid is, is making their own choices. You can uh, help by getting out of the way or at least recognizing and help them to see, you know, I'm not really steering back here. You know that, right? Cause some kids will kind of wreck their life by looking back in the back seat going, stop steering, you know, <laughs> kill that analogy, but you know, it's, 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 it's not even a letting them try it. It is recognizing that no, you're not actually influencing them mm -hmm. until right. You do talk about limits. And so that you are like the, yeah, there are things. So if you have a freedoms list, you also have an expectations and consequences. That's where parents are like, oh, I thought you were bleeding heart. Let them do anything. And then when you get to the there are some things that you need to be clear. This is not up to you, mm -hmm. but those are the things that you try to be very clear. It's not usually a big list, but there are some things. And if you do not do this, there will be these consequences. And it, it's again, like having a plan, right? Okay. So That's we'll let correct. you take care of your room. You clean your own room, but if it or smells, don't. yeah, or don't, but if it smells, then we have to, then, <laughs> then, then you you're have to get my, you know, I'll be honest, my older Poor boy's a minister now, but um, there was a smell that, uh, you know, came out of his room. And I think he had to buy Lysol and take care of that. It's, but again, it's, it's adult thing. And it's, uh, but um, with, with things like um, <clears throat> expectations, things like um, you have to be back home by 10 p.m. Uh, that's not a suggestion. Mm -hmm. And so I do show how I think you need to be clear about that. And by the way, even that list of rules are not a list of no's. They're not yet's. Mm -hmm. Like this will eventually be up to you. But since it's not yet, at 10.01, something will happen. Mm -hmm. and, and you need to have reasonable consequences mm -hmm. that make sense to the to the limit, because if you don't put consequences, you're going to just yell. That's basically what happens is that you just get mad. So having reasonable consequences, yeah, it's, it's not a letting everything go, but it is almost like an orderly transfer from this was an expectation six months ago. It's now a freedom. It's up to you and you don't answer to us. That's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love having the plan even, right? So my child's late from the curfew. I don't have to get mad. I can say, okay, this was You're your consequence, just so you person, know. You're a very orderly person, I can tell. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I think writing it out is helpful. Not all parents need to do that, but I think it's helpful. Mm. Uh, and we, you know, we, and just so everyone knows, we did this on my kid's 13th birthday. There was, here's your whatever. And also, you don't have to clean your room anymore. That's up to you. By the way, here's the washer and dryer. We're not doing your laundry anymore. You can have food in there as soon as you can afford an exterminator. Since you can't, there will be a 50 cent or a dollar charge for each plate cup, anything we find back there. Huh. Um, and um, that's up to you. Any dirty room related problems? Uh, quick, this is supposed to be ironed. Can you help me? You stand with your coffee and go, oh, I hate when that happens. Don't you hate when that happens? That's worth 10 speeches, you know, of just that's your deal and how you handle that is up to you. But they, you know, freedom of the room, watch any PG-13 movie you want to. That used to be a thing. This is before the Internet. That's how old I am. Um, 
um, you know, there was a list of freedom, not many, but some choice of your friends, which my kids, we didn't have a problem with their friends. Still helpful for them to hear us say that's not up to us, but that's easy because you ever try to control your teenagers friends like you can't hang with him even at school yeah good luck with that so you know it's just handing over freedoms early that you really don't have control over anyway but then as you go on there were freedom of dress i used to call my son in for uh, chain measurements on things that their sister were wearing and go what do you think he'd go oh no 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 you know it, it was you know it was still a way of saying you have your own choice but there's some limits to that so it's but it is an orderly transfer of we are leaving control of your life and and you have five, four, three years to prepare and you won't be answering to us. That's a message that's just critical. And I think your story is encouraging because your kids are wonderful, but the journey was not perfect. They it had was not. learning issues. They, their room smelled. And so instead of you thinking I have failed, this plan has failed, right. you thought, okay, I can see how they will move forward. Like I can see that they need help I will offer the help. I will help them figure out how to get out of this. But your kids turned out, right? I think so often That's we give right. a freedom. This child does not do what we'd hoped. And we think, well, it's over. I failed. It's, and you know what's <laughs> even more important? They turned out not like I thought they should. It's never what I thought it would be. Um, you know, the story I always tell is that, again, it's always worse when you're poor firstborn. <laughs> My son, in our family, we're not very tall. We're not athletic. My son is almost average height. He's like 5'10". And we go to a small school. And I realized by the time he was in seventh grade, he could play football. Mm. And in Texas, where I'm from, football means girls, you're just the bomb. <laughs> and I started pushing for him to play football. It wasn't until we're sitting in a doctor's office in eighth grade who's giving us this weird trying to say why he has, quote, back problems that might be microabrasion. And I realized halfway through this, you're telling me my son is pretending to be in pain so he doesn't have to play football <laughs> because his dad had pushed him mm. beyond what he wanted. My son was is like me. He's kind of soft-hearted. And I... It wasn't him. And now it's, of course, he did not turn out like I thought he would. Mm. It's a disaster. He's a minister. He has a great wife and four <laughs> children. It's like this is not, they don't turn out like you think they should because it's not your kid. Mm. Their plan and how God has them may include lack of success in school or in athletics or things that you thought were important. Mm. You got to let that go. I think what's beautiful about that is that it's you are encouraging us to love our children as Christ loves us, which is for who we are and who That's we show exactly up right. each day. And also he loves us even, even when we don't like our ourselves. Back. And when, yes, when we don't like ourselves and he loves us even when we don't love him back. Right. Oh, for us absolutely. to love our students, for us to love our children, even when they're not giving us big hugs, but to say, I still love you, even though you're mad. Yeah, me, even he loves us when we forget that he's there. Which, don't children do that? All yes. the time, that's exactly right. That's exactly um, right. And so I love that you're encouraging us toward that kind of Christ life yeah, love yeah. for our students. And it doesn't always feel good, and yet it is a picture and image of, of who God is. It and really we is. get to give that to our kids. Really so is. thanks for encouraging us toward that. Um, any other final things you'd want our listeners to no, hear? I'm about? not kidding. This school's the bomb. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's not that common. Mm. <clears throat> there are schools that do, I think, this kind of classical structure, but the fact that you're conscious of 
these young people, and I've seen it all day this morning, all this morning, these are young adults that are gaining, it's your deal. You know, they spend some days at home doing it themselves and being very conscious of that. I can't think of a setting that fits better with this whole, you know, uh, transferring responsibility and freedom to young adult Christian uh, young people. It's just a great, I know it's not what you're asking for, but I mean, this is, <laughs> I, I think it's great here. And an I'm encouragement impressed. that I think our parents are doing such good work. So to even take a load off, the students here are amazing. They're always doing better <laughs> than they think. Parents, well, I'll talk about that tonight, but I, I just, parents always come to my office like I'm a vice principal. Well, we read your book and we haven't been doing, as if, you know, what you've been doing is horrible. You know, you're just doing standard American stuff and that creates some struggle, but you're doing fine. I just, the self-consciousness just worries me how much we pressure ourselves like you were saying maybe i'm not learning at all you're doing fine i can't imagine jesus wakes up every day going man you're screwing up over and over <laughs> i just don't see that well thank you for that encouragement thank you for being here it's a privilege to spend time with you and to be encouraged so thank you so much dr ken